Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey y'all, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I am pretty excited and I admit a little was a little nervous to bring you this episode today. So one of the things about this podcast is that it gets me really good, I guess, at getting uncomfortable about talking about things that I didn't used to talk about. So today we're actually talking about the pelvic floor. I think at the end of the episode and here I go and I use them again. I actually had to explain something about the vulva, the labia, and the vagina. These are not things that I was brought up to talk about all the time. And so it's been so empowering to really get all the information that I need about my body. So on today's show, I'm interviewing somebody who's become a really good friend. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a sec because it has to do with something that I want to tell you about. But Kathy Cates is a bilingual family nurse practitioner in the Boston area at a community health center. And she's also a specialist in pelvic health. And so she speaks and teaches on this topic um, all over. And she also happens to be the wife of a photographer that I have worked with for many years. So I worked with him back when I had my own design company for many years. And then as I transitioned into Plan Simple Meals and Plan Simple being my world, he actually is the one who took all the photos in my book, Plan Simple Meals. So I love this family. They have a lot to offer and I'm really excited for Kathy to share this topic today. So I wanted to share a couple thoughts about that and a few things that I want you to know about. So number one, because I have Kathy on the show and because Tom, her husband, took these amazing photos in my book, um, I want you guys to have the book. So it's been really complicated having a book delivered through a that's fulfilled through Amazon. So this is what I'm going to do. I want you guys, I love my book. I love everything about my book. I love the recipes. I think Kathy alludes to some of them in here and I want everyone to have my book. Um, but I also think that you could have my book and use it on your iPad or your computer and read it there. So this is what I, and the other thing I think is that once you get all this information, the tool that I now know that everybody needs is a way to plan for how to take all this stuff you're learning and put it into action in your life. So it is my birthday next week. I don't know if you guys know that, but there's going to be more about different birthday activities happening around here over the next few weeks. And so I want to give you guys something. So for anyone who goes and purchases the flow planner, so this is a 90 day planner that's perfect if you're really wanting to fit good food into your whole life. So it really is in between a journal and a calendar. It's undated. Um, People in Flow 365, which is my year-long program, spend some time each day in this planner, really thinking about this life that they want to design um, and really thinking, you know, definitely at the beginning of every 90 days, putting some time in and then every evening or every morning, really figuring out what that means for their day ahead, how they're really going to live into this life that they've decided that they want for the, this 90-day season. And so... I don't think that I would eat as well or live as well or work as well or meditate every day if I did not have my planner myself. So here's the birthday present part. If you go to plansimple.com and you find the flow planner um, and you buy one before May 30th, which is my birthday, if you do that before May 30th, I will send you two flow planners because why only plan for 90 days when you could plan for 180 or give one to a really good friend and do it with them. Both are great options. And I will also send you a PDF of Plan Simple Meals. 
So I'm a big, I love giving presents and there feels like no better time of year to give presents than my own birthday. And you'll be getting the photos in my book from this amazing Kathy Cates from her husband, Tom, who took all the photos that are of me in the book. So that's how that all ties together. So go grab your copy of the Flow Planner. You will pay the $28 for one copy and then you will get two in the mail plus the PDF delivered to your inbox. So that's super exciting. So make sure that you do that if you've been wanting to for a while. The second thing is that this episode with Kathy really reminded me of an intention that I have that I was inspired to do from a really good friend, which is one of the things that I found motherhood did to me is it got me really good, like so good at taking care of everybody but myself. And then obviously you guys know this story if you've been around for a while. If not, welcome, welcome, welcome. But I finally took care of myself 10 years ago. That was the beginning of this whole journey and what eventually became the book when I changed my food. But I also didn't really take care of myself because, yeah, that's not true. I did really take care of myself with food. But I never really sought outside opinions. I never, I've never been good about going to my yearly visit or, um, you know, really checking out what I need to. I definitely never miss a beat with making my kids yearly appointments, you know, with their pediatrician, with various specialists. You know, my kids have tried acupuncture. They've been to a chiropractor. And though I sporadically do the acupuncture and the chiropractor stuff myself, um, there was a couple years in there where I didn't find a primary care doctor I liked, so I just decided not to go. The other day, I was struggling to see something, and I was like, gosh, I don't think I've been to the eye doctor since before kids. I don't have glasses, so I think it's kind of okay, but not really. Like, It's really good to get checked up, and Kathy today really shows us how we need to be showing up also to our pelvic floor, um, especially if there's any of you who've had any sort of urine leakage post kids or any pain having sex. Like none of this is normal. Yet we sort of come to think that all these things that happen to us are normal. Like that I couldn't see this writing as normal. So here's my little challenge as well for these last 10 days of May. And something that actually my flow planner has really helped me fit in is that I'm going to go make a bunch of appointments. Now, my brain is like, gosh, you haven't been to the doctor in forever, blah, 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 blah. You need to do this now. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend some time before my birthday making the appointments I need, which I'm going to know because I'm going to make a list of the appointments I need. And that is everything from you know, an, this eye doctor appointment to really finding that doctor to making the appointment with my gyno who I haven't been to in a long time, all those things. Like I need to make all those appointments and I'm going to make them for a time when I can do it all in a chunk. So I find, I think one of the reasons that I find it really hard to go to the doctor is because it's very, you know, it's, it, it takes a day away, right? Like you don't want to go to the doctor dragging your kids. So like you pick a time when your kids are away and then that's what you spend your day doing. And then sometimes when we go to the doctor, the things that happen there don't feel so great. So then we're sort of shot for the day and then, you know, we turn into mom and don't get work done, whatever it is. So I'm just going to spend a week really taking care of myself um, in the fall. And I'm going to try to make all the appointments together in a week. Um, and sprinkled within that, I'm also going to go and make an appointment for acupuncture. I might definitely go to acupuncture before that, but I'm also going to make sure I go then. Um, and I'm really going to set aside the time during this week to get all this done. And the cool thing about doing it together is that then when you make the, the follow-ups, they're going to be together too. I'm going to make my dentist appointment then. I'm going to make the whole the whole thing. It's all going to be then. And I'm really excited for this. I mean, as excited you can be, uh, be about doctor's appointments. So I think Kathy challenged us all to go see a pelvic floor specialist. So that might be in my lineup. But I also challenge us to really take care of ourselves, to really find the right people to take care of our bodies and to go see them, to make an appointment to go see them. So if you want to join me in that challenge, you can know that I'm doing that at the same time that you are. Um, it's so good. If you've ever had a friend who's had to battle cancer, you they, they probably told you like, please, please, please go get a checkup. And then I've even had that and still not gone. So 
that's what we're going to do. That's my vulnerable share for the moment. Mia never goes to the doctor. <laughs> and so we're going to do that this week. So if you want to join me, I don't know, come shout out on Instagram, DM me, send me an email, whatever. I would love to hear that you've done this too. And I will share more as we um, head into my birthday week. Probably the best place for that is over on Instagram. So check it out over there. All right. That's what I got. And with no further ado, let's get Kathy Cates on the show. Hey, Kathy. Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. Hi, Mia. Thank you so much for having me on. I know. It's funny. We, for everyone listening, we were just catching up. And I always forget what we, what we spoke about catching up and what we spoke about when I press record. But I'm so excited to have you here um, because I love when I have friends and people who I know on the podcast and we can, you know, we're going to talk about some fun stuff that I don't think people always talk about today. But before we dive into that, will you tell us a little bit about your story, who you're a mom to, why you're so into wellness at this point in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am a mom to Eva, who is 12 years old and in sixth grade and wife of Tom, my wonderful husband. By the way, you guys, he took all the pictures and, or all the pictures of me in the Plan Simple Meals cookbook. That's how I know, Kathy. (laughs) And I am a family nurse practitioner and I practice part-time at a federally qualified health center in the Boston area caring for a largely undocumented Central American population. And then I have a part-time practice doing pelvic floor therapy. Right. And yep, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go oh. ahead. And so I was a very you know, traditional nurse practitioner for the first few years of my practice. And I also run a women's health program at our health center. So doing a lot of gynecological procedures helping women decide if and when they were going to plan a family, all that sort of stuff. And about four or five years into my own practice, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and had to go through a lot of surgeries and chemotherapy and all of that. And so when I was finished with all of that at age 41, I was in surgical menopause and had a lot of pelvic pain. (laughs) And I thought, are you kidding me? Like after all of this? And I thought, oh, well, I should be able to figure this out because I'm a nurse practitioner and I take care of women. And I couldn't. So I went to my own nurse practitioner and she did a very thorough exam and she said, you need pelvic floor therapy. And I said, "I I need what? I had no idea what it was. No idea nurse practitioner running a women's health program, doing gynecological procedures, putting in IUDs, doing colposcopies, thousands of pap smears, no idea what pelvic floor therapy was. So (laughs) I was very fortunate that the place that she recommended that I go to um, was is Therapspring Myofascial Release Healing Center in Wellesley, Sue and Susan, And they're wonderful, and they took such good care of me and really helped me to learn about my pelvic floor and how to take care of it. (laughs) And after my work with them, I said, how can I learn how to do this? I have so many patients at my health center that need this kind of help. And so they explained the different options for, you know, getting the training to do this. And so... I was fortunate enough that there was a grant opportunity through the Massachusetts League of Community Health Centers. And so I applied and I called my grant bringing awareness of the pelvic floor into primary care. Mm. And so I got to do all the training and then I started a myofascial release practice at my health center with a focus on the pelvic floor but when you're doing the training it's you know it's not just the pelvic floor it's what's above and below Um, and mainly because the patients that we care for it's very hard for them 
to make specialty appointments, to go to physical therapy. There's so many barriers. So I wanted to break down those barriers for our patients. And then as I started doing this work, I don't know, the word sort of got out and now I have my own practice as well. It's awesome. And I love that you are serving such a wide variety of women, which is it's just so cool. Me too. So, and men too. I would like to say that men really? have pelvic floor oh, for sure. Yes. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not the topic for today, but that's very Maybe. interesting. Yes. <laughs> and, tra- and transgender patients yeah. too. Interesting. So the whole spectrum. Okay. So let's talk like in, like, I just feel like women's health as talking to lots of women listening right now is such, it's, it's such a broad topic and it's so like, it's hard to take care of ourselves. I think it's hard to take good care of ourselves, I should say. And, you know, I talk all the time about food and spirituality and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just as much as the next person, like it's a pain it's a pain to go to the doctor once a year. You know, it's like, how do you schedule that and get work done and like not have to have the kids with you? And yet it's so important. And I love when I hear of things that aren't sort of, you know, what my doctor might know about. So tell us about like why we need to pay attention to our pelvic floor or when, if there's, if that's a different answer. Great questions. So I think we all need to be paying attention to our pelvic floor all the time. I think because I started in primary care and still do primary care, I'm all about preventative Mm. care. And so if you can start thinking about it almost before the issues happen, that would be great. I realize that's not always ideal, but I think... Um, all women that are pregnant should think about at least one, one evaluation with a pelvic floor specialist just to learn really what the difference is. You know, how do you push if you're having a vaginal delivery? How do you push? Mm. And when you're in labor, that's not the time to <laughs> like be learning about how to push. I don't think that's not a great moment, right? Yeah. Um, It's not normal to have to start leaking urine when you're pregnant. It's not, and it doesn't have to be. And so if you can learn how those muscles, how to engage those muscles, how to relax those muscles, those are all very important skills to have. I would say both before before you're pregnant, but definitely while you're pregnant and for sure postpartum. All right, Kathy, we're going to keep going, but there is still something hitting all, uh, quite frequently. Just FYI, I'll edit this out. Oh, what okay. Did I, I don't know if it's that you're just moving while you're talking, but just so you know. Maybe. Okay. Thanks. Um, okay. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> so when, okay, so when we're pregnant, we're thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. That's, uh, I think that's an awesome cue because there's probably definitely people listening who are either pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant. Right. And can I say one other thing about um, being pregnant is that I also have, have done a lot of training in the whole spinning babies approach to childbirth. And I think the big take home for that and for anyone who's pregnant is bringing balance into the pelvic cavity allows when your pelvis is balanced, you have the optimal amount of room and that promotes optimal fetal positioning. And what do you mean when you say that spinning of ba- like you mean when a baby? So it's a whole, this is a whole, um, I guess, protocol methodology started by a home birth midwife in Minnesota. It's why, I mean, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. She uses, draws on a lot of ancient Um, wisdom, a lot of Mayan traditions, and she's attended so many births, and she's starting to, she had started to try to write all of this stuff down and give women protocols. You know, she has a spinning babies daily essentials video that you can start at 20 weeks of pregnancy, and it's all to promote balance in the pelvis. She's got, I, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but like three or four basic movements that you can do that try 
to promote balance in the pelvis, try to bring the hips into alignment and a whole, I mean, she's really wonderful. And it's, the website's a little bit awkward to navigate, but I so applaud what she's trying to do in getting all of this information out there. Interesting. It's funny because my, um, my brother is about to get married, <laughs> which always leads me to think about how we always seem to focus on like the wedding, but not the marriage and like, you know, the car seat that the child needs to go home in, but like not the details of like, we think about the birth, but not in the way of the, like our body or, and then right. we don't, you know, and then the same with parenting gets lost. So it's like, it's so interesting how these things get lost. And if we just paid attention to our pelvic floor, instead of all the onesies we're collecting, <laughs> like what right. it would make. And the other thing is none of this is new, <laughs> right? You know, it's just someone, you know, sort of bringing it to your attention which right. is so important. And there are a lot of like spinning babies, parent, parent education classes that you can go and take with your partner, you know, as you're preparing for birth that I think are just a really nice way to bond. You know, I think also sometimes the partner gets left out of a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a very nice way. There's some gentle hands-on techniques that partners can learn that are a really nice way to bring the partner more into the experience. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So for people who've already had babies, what's mm-hmm. the next, what's the next thing that we pay attention to in regards to our pelvic floor? Okay. So if you're talking about the postpartum period, and especially if you're nursing, you have to talk about moisturizing hmm. the vulva, the labia, the vagina, because when you breastfeed, your levels of estrogen plummet and it's like someone just comes into the whole vulval vaginal area and sucks all the moisture out. Hmm. So then, you know, you haven't, let's say, you know, I, with, I help a lot of women um, that have painful sex. Right. And so if you really, I mean, having intercourse or any kind of stimulation to the vulva, the vagina, that's like pelvic floor therapy because what it does is it stimulates the tissue, it dilates the tissue, it promotes blood flow to the tissue, and that's amazing for your pelvic floor, both internally and externally. Hmm. So a lot of times what happens in the postpartum period, it's almost the perfect storm because you probably haven't been having a lot of sex usually, especially towards the end of your pregnancy. So those muscles aren't being used. Then you're probably not having sex until six weeks postpartum, right? So that's a fairly, you know, you're looking at probably a minimum of two months that those muscles haven't been active. And then everything is dry if you're breastfeeding. Mm. So, and then like the first time that you go to be intimate with your partner, And then it's painful. So then that starts a whole feedback loop of this is going to be painful. And then what happens when you know that something's going to be painful, everything contracts, the muscles contract. So the first thing that all midwives, OBs, and you know, should be anybody that takes care of postpartum patients should really be thinking about a good moisturizing routine. So both internally and externally. And then you also need to be thinking about lubrication for intercourse. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, and well, what's interesting to me also is, uh, and I'll link this in the show notes, but a couple, maybe last spring, actually, we interviewed um, somebody named Jana Denton House and she talks, she helps women who like for whom sex is just not, it's not it doesn't feel good. Like mm-hmm. they just don't love it and how to, you know, get back in the habit with connecting yeah. with your spouse. And she has a full business about it. So I Wonderful. feel like there's probably definitely people out there who, for whom it just hurts and thinks that's normal. Yes. Right. And it's not, right. it, it's not <laughs> normal. It is a vibrant part of who we are and you know, it might just be that you need help getting to that point where you can start to enjoy it. 
Yeah. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. Okay. So, so then let's fast forward a little bit. Like what, so you, you experienced this after having, um, surgery or treatment, but something kicked it off in your cancer journey. Right. What are other sort of benchmarks where we might need some extra attention (laughs) for your pelvic floor? Yeah. For your pelvic floor. So if you have urinary incontinence, if you jump and you leak urine, you know, if you go to those trampoline gyms or, you know, those jumping gyms that you take Mm -hmm. your kids to, Mm -hmm. when you go in the bathroom, what do you see? They're like pads, right? This is how pervasive that it's so normal, right? It's just like, well, of course women are going to leak when they jump on a trampoline. Yeah. It's so, funny. It's, it's, there's one sense of that, right? Like, and then there's the other part of like, I, I'm imagining that many people experience shame around this. Just of course. You of know, course. who are you going to tell? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And my whole reason for doing this, like with, I just, it's to just get rid of all the shame and to normalize it, right? I mean, the title of the grant was bringing awareness of the pelvic floor into primary care. There is no shame around this. Yeah. None. So, you know, you might come to see me for your leaking urine. Some people have fecal incontinence when you're leaking stool when you don't want to. Constipation, you know, all those muscles are inside of your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. You need a certain amount of resting tension in your pelvic floor to keep all of your organs from coming out, which is another reason prolapse, right? Why people might come and see me, mm. right? So you need a certain amount of tension, but then sometimes you have too much tension and it's just like any other kind of muscle tension. When you have too much, it starts to hurt. And then if you don't have enough tension, you know, then you can start to have urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence, all kinds of things like that. People might come to see me, you know, for pain with sex, um, after menopause, perimenopausal, like that's a really important time where also, you know, the, with the, again, with the decrease in the estrogen, like you need to really focus on a good moisturizing routine and a lot of lubrication for sex. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and so besides you've mentioned lubrication a few times. Mm-hmm. So, and then what is there, I, I know that your work when people come see you is like a massage, right? It's like, you're like a chiropractor for the pelvic um, floor, right? Or no? Sort of. I mean, okay. so when people come to see me, it's a head to toe evaluation, right? Yep. Just really looking at somebody, looking at the way they sit, looking at the way they stand, because a lot of it, a lot of the imbalances that happen that mm-hmm. lead to dysfunction are really are from poor posture. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about, and then like looking at someone and how they use their phone when people are waiting for me and they're often on their phones, you can learn a lot by the level of their screen, right? If so you if you hold look, it closer up to your face, so you're not bending. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just merely you know, your motto should be keep all your screens at eye level because that maintains your cervical or your neck curve, right? And your cervical curve mimics your lumbar curve or your low back curve. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as you start to bend your head forward and you lose your cervical curve or your neck curve, you also lose your lumbar curve and that tips your whole pelvis up. You go up, almost like a we call it a posterior tilt. And then you're sitting there for long periods of time. And then I'm interested in what does that tilt upwards of your pelvis do to all of the muscles, the connective tissue internally within the pelvic cavity? Interesting. Yeah. Oh my god. So gosh. I definitely head to toe first, sitting, standing, um, you need to assess the strength of the abs because, you know, what's right above your pelvic floor is your abdominal cavity. And, you know, there's a lot, lot of issues happen when you've got weak abdominal muscles 
Yeah. And then those weak abdominal muscles are creating like intra abdominal pressure that then is pressing down on the muscles of your pelvic floor. So then your pelvic floor is having to go into overdrive to support those weak abdominal muscles. And it's not built to do that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you want to talk about the internal exam? Sure. Go on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I'm going to like, I, then I, I'm just like taking mental note for all the preventative wellness things that we need to, totally. I need to focus on to have a strong um, pelvic floor. Okay. Absolutely. So Keep just going. along those lines, you have to, right? So it's working on your ab- abdomen, your abdominal muscles. And then really, you've got to make sure you're using your glutes, your hamstrings, and your quads, your biggest muscle groups. Because if you can load your body weight on your biggest muscle groups, you're not asking your, those are your primary muscle groups. Then you're not asking your pelvic floor to come in and help. Your pelvic floor muscles are secondary muscle groups. Okay. So just to, and so I think that's a very important part. Supposed to, or many people use them more than they're supposed to. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. So sometimes when I lead workshops, people will say, will come up to me and say, but you didn't talk about how to do a Kegel. Mm. All you did, and I said, that's right, because it's not a one size fits all, but strengthening your glutes, hamstrings and quads and your big old, biggest muscle groups, those are more general <laughs> and nobody should do a Kegel unless they've either, you know, put their own finger inside and felt what it feels like to do that or gone to see somebody. Interesting, because I feel like that's the message when it you're is. pregnant. Like, squeeze, yeah, squeeze. squeeze. Every red light, squeeze, squeeze. And then what happens? First of all, is not only do you maybe maybe you activate your pelvic floor, but you usually end up squeezing your glutes and clenching your jaw. Mm. Neither of which are helpful for your pelvic floor. Okay. Okay. So internal exam. Yeah. Let's yeah. Go so. Absolutely. So first you just have to look, you know, at the vulva, at the labia. And as again, looking like, are they dry? Are they, um, you know, all skin has mobility to it. And so some, and you know, you need to check and see like, is the labia kind of stuck? You, you never think about these things, but they're all very, very important. And sometimes think about it. If you're having pain with sex, and it even hurts to be touched on the outside, like on the vulva or on the labia. We got to start there. Mm. So we do that assessment first. And then with a lubricated gloved finger, we go inside. And if you think about the opening of the vagina, if you think about it like a clock, and if you go up to 12 o'clock, very superficially, just maybe to like one knuckle on your index finger, you're going to find your bladder. Okay. And then you need to do it again. So if you've started at the top and then you kind of do a sweep in the direction of a clock, right? So then you're going from 12 to three, all the way down to six. And then you ask the patient to lift their pelvis up off the table. And then you can assess what's going on at the tailbone or the coccyx. People think about their coccyx externally at the, you know, as the end of the spine. But there are a lot of muscles, a lot of connective tissue around the coccyx. And so a lot of people have a lot of tension, a lot of fascial restrictions around the coccyx. And that can really lead and a lot of times be the source for a lot of this pelvic floor dysfunction. Hmm. You can also, we evaluate with an internal exam, um, these beautiful muscles that allow us to rotate the hip internally and externally. Again, we think about hips on the outside. Right. But, right. But there's a significant component internally to the external and internal rotation of your hip. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So what, like, so I feel like you, you, you mentioned <laughs> that you like to be 
preventative as an mm-hmm. internal medicine person, but I don't feel like normally those two things don't always go together in our world at the moment, right. which is unfortunate. So in, if for anyone listening who's had any of these issues and perhaps dealt with them in different ways, because I feel like you're so... I, you just have such a holistic viewpoint to all this. So we're so lucky to have you in real internal medicine <laughs> as well as in your private <laughs> practice. <laughs> but um, but w- what, like, what is the medical world doing? Like, what are some of the procedures that get done for <gasps> some extreme discomfort that either can also be helped by doing work or you wouldn't recommend or whatever? So I think... First and foremost, I'm a big believer in working as part of a team. Mm. So I work a lot in in close consultation with gynecologists, urogynecologists, because I think you shouldn't do this in a vacuum. Yeah. So I think, let me see, women, perhaps you might go to your urogynecologist for urinary incontinence and they might suggest a pessary that's a small device that you can insert up and it like up inside and it lifts up your bladder Mm. that might be something that again I don't think that would be the first thing that I would try I think learning how to identify the muscles of your pelvic floor both strengthen and relax them would probably be a good place to start But so that's one intervention that a medical intervention that people, specialists will do. People do. And are are these things common? Pessaries for sure. It just, okay. So women going and trying to fix incontinence is a common. Oh, it's huge. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, and also the lens through which I look is I think any, any type of procedure that you may have, I think before you have the procedure and after absolutely need the accompaniment of the pelvic floor therapy to just enhance whatever it is that you might be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Some women will have, um, I'm not a big fan. I think they're, you know, the therapy is the, what you should try first, but people like urogynecologists will place slings. Mm-hmm. to try to like lift the whole bladder up or if you've got prolapse of other organs like the uterus or the rectum a lot of times will be a surgical procedures where they put in a sling to try to lift everything up mm. um not a big fan they they used to i think the fda just pulled it off the market do mesh procedures mm-hmm. where they'd put in mesh to try and pull everything back up but they think They've learned the evidence show that the there are just too many complications and not enough benefit from that. Um, I know and work with um, very closely with some gynecologists from Mount Auburn that are doing um, excision of endometriosis. So mm-hmm. a lot of women who have endometriosis, you know, the diagnostic, the diagnostic tool for that is ultrasound, but it's very hard to see if there's endometrial tissue anywhere else when you're only doing the transvaginal ultrasound. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess this is a relatively new procedure and not a lot of people are doing it, even across the country, but they are doing, there's two people that do it at Mount Auburn and they're having some good, they're having success but they're also sending their patients to pelvic floor therapy at the same time. And I believe what they're doing is they go in laparoscopically into the whole peritoneal or I guess abdominal cavity, if you will. And they're looking to see is there endometrial tissue growing other places that could perhaps be the cause of the pain. And then they're lifting it off of the peritoneal cavity and removing it. Um, I think if you take a step back, I want to know, and I think my colleagues that do this work want to know, why, why are you having the endometrial tissue grow somewhere else? Like, what's at the root of that? Right. Right. So I think that the, that kind of a procedure can be 
like a band-aid, but I don't, I don't know. It's not clear to me that that's getting to the root cause. And I, I think that it might be the underlying fascial restrictions within the abdominal cavity, within the pelvic floor that might be contributing to the endometrial tissue growing the way that it's growing. Okay. So let's, let's, well, before we move on, cause actually then that opens up a whole door of questions, but, um, but so like, for example, I got, I had to get wrist surgery a couple of years ago cause I fell and shattered my wrist and mm. um, that's just what I had to do. And mm-hmm. it was the first surgery I had ever had and um, physical therapy was fine, but it, it just, it was hard. I, I ended up getting, instead of getting a plate, which is um, something that a lot of people get, I, I was lucky and opted to get um, pins that then came out so that mm-hmm. in the end it was still my bone. But what that mm-hmm. meant is that I couldn't move my wrist for longer. And so I lost a lot of mobility. And so I ended up going to um, somebody who did myofascial release to my wrist um, yeah. to sort of help after. So if somebody's been in the situation where they've gotten one of these procedures or surgeries and they're still uncomfortable, there's still more to be done, right? Like you can- Oh, 100%. Yeah, okay. Okay. So that is my experience has been because I feel like, you know, I've been on this wellness journey for about 10 years, but it's, it's hard to be on this wellness journey because we're like pioneers, you know, and I feel like we're lucky enough to find somebody like you when we walk into the office. That's amazing, but that doesn't always happen. And, you know, there's reason we don't even always, I feel like it's hard to even know when to research, you know, like some things are so given like that the medical system does that it's hard to even know to research more. Right. And I think it's also hard when, especially from this, the myofascial release perspective, you cannot image connective Mm -hmm. tissue. Right. And so that opens up, that makes it very complicated when you're practicing, you know, in the traditional evidence-based practice of which I'm a big proponent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, you know, the, when you, you can't see fascia on a CT scan, an MRI, an ultrasound, an x-ray. So I think we fall short and clinicians fall short in just ignoring it because you're not seeing yeah. it. So I think that's hard. I also think it's overwhelming when you do internet searches because there's so much information. Right. And not all of it is information that's helpful. Right. I often say to my patients, please stop looking, stop Googling and <laughs> ask me instead. Yeah. I love Just that. stop because that causes, that can just create so much stress for my patients. Right. For all of us really. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so far, I'm trying to keep these straight in my head. We've talked, so for the the person who maybe doesn't necessarily have a quote unquote problem, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, might have children, might have had children, might be aging, you know, maybe all this changes with age. um, We want to make sure that we're moisturized Mm-hmm. which seems like normal. We moisturize our face. Like why wouldn't mm-hmm. we like moisturize on our whole body? Totally. Um, and we want to make sh- our abs being strong is very important. Mm-hmm. Our posture being strong is important, which is so true, I think, with so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to also make sure that the strongest muscles in our body are strong, which is our legs and our um like what was the part of your glutes are yeah. strong. Okay. Yeah. And, that's, and we that's do brilliant. That. You've totally got it. You've totally got okay. it. Okay. So the thing about that, and we can go more into like, I guess you might have some patient stories, but also I know we both have our own stories is that that's hard, right? Because that's not yes. like taking a Tylenol. That's like, you have to do it every day. <laughs> You have to like constantly remind yourself to sit up straight or like put your phone up when you're looking Mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. So how, like, let's, let's go into that a little bit. Cause I feel like that's where, that's where we search for the easy solution, even though it might not in the long run be the best solution. Cause we just want comfort. Right. 
Ah, oh, that's such a good question. So how do we sort of incorporate all like of this? Like how do we incorporate? Like, so let's just, well, we can just reflect like personally. Like, I mean, I know that you do a lot personally, right? Like, and we can go into food, we can do whatever. Like how, like how, how do, and I guess a little of it is also like the medical, like navigating that within the medical system, because I think right. one of the things is that it's separate and like, and it shouldn't be. Right. And, and one of the things that as a mom, as a mom who definitely grew up in the antibiotic culture, <laughs> Mm -hmm. I definitely leaned on my pediatrician and thus my primary care doctor for myself so much more at the beginning than I did now, than I do now, because I didn't trust myself. Like I didn't understand that, you know, I don't know. I just didn't understand. I didn't understand that if I had a headache, maybe it was a sign of something else and that I should look at my whole day. (laughs) And And you really changed. I mean, just knowing you and then reading about your story. I mean, you had a huge turnaround when you started to trust yourself and learn more about the foods you were eating and the movement you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I totally did. And then it's totally always changing. And I Mm -hmm. feel like right now I'm in the midst of a big change. So whatever's happening right now. And I actually, before this podcast just released one, but like just whatever my, you know, I'm about to be 44, whatever that means. Um, and you know, my periods have changed slightly. Mm -hmm. Um, like my energy has shifted. Like I can like, and, and I'm been looking at how my food needs to shift to respond to that or my Mm -hmm. exercise needs to shift. I'm actually been, it's funny. I'm, I'm all excited about the abs and the, and the glutes part because I've been really focusing on strength a lot lately, which I haven't done in the past. I've been way more like of an aerobic Mm -hmm. type person um, and yoga, but I've really been focusing on my strength. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting how we just, there's, I feel like every day we have to wake up and sort of be like, okay, where am I in space? But there's bigger times that are more transitional. And for sure, I'm in the middle of one. So I feel like I'm in the middle of these habits. And weight for me is something that's always a sign that I need to shift. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I, a month ago was like, oh, this stupid thing, whatever it is, maybe it's called perimenopause. I don't know. But like, all of a sudden I feel like weight staying on me differently, you know, and we can have all these excuses. But at the end of the day, we have the power and it's so cool that we have the power. Absolutely. So anyway, that was just like a long rant about, but I just think that. No, it's, it's not a rant. It's very important. It's, yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's hard. I just want everyone listening to know that like, it's hard for everyone, <laughs> you know? Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. Right. And then how do you, I'm so interested in how do you help people to just ignite that spark of curiosity. Because I think once you've got that, then very slowly, you know, you can start, things start to shift. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a shift. And, you know, when I think about, so, you know, especially when I first started doing the pelvic floor stuff, I thought, oh, I don't know, like, can I really, you know, I don't know, should I really be doing it? Can I really do that? You know? And then I thought, you know what? <laughs> yes, because when I look back at my own treatment, like none of it, I just, I don't think I did everything that my therapist said every single day. Right. But, you know, a few times a week, probably more in the beginning, but a few times a week, I would do the different exercises and the different stretches and the things like that. And it was just sort of over time that just became all these, the, the shifting, it takes time. Yeah. So I think just incredible patience for yourself and compassion for yourself. And it's not going to be, I think the thing is, it's not going to be this huge, like, oh my God, my pelvic pain is gone one day. It's not <laughs> like it's not, or whatever, you know what I mean? Or for you, it's like, oh my God, I suddenly have more energy today. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not this aha oh, not like moment. That. Yeah. It's this gradual shifting. And I really think just developing more compassion for yourself. Mm. That's so true. And the other thing about the whole, like the holistic approach is I feel like well, at least I have a story that that I had a story. I'm not. I don't have that story anymore. But I had a story that that meant it was harder. Um, 
oh, or more work or more details or something. So for someone who mm. like wasn't so in tune with my body for a long time, I sort of ignored mm-hmm. her for many years. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, it felt like a lot. But one of the things that I was reflecting on as you explained what could help your pelvic floor, it's like, wow, imagine what other things a good posture could affect or, you know, Absolutely. Uh, muscles. And I, you know, when I changed my food, I totally did it for vain reasons of weight. But, you know, I got my period, I got rid of my seasonal allergies, I've never taken an antibiotic since. So mm-hmm. I feel like these little, changes that our body is signaling us we need and is giving us some pain and maybe that's in our pelvic floor like if if posture is the fix like imagine how many other things that can help absolutely and the other fix i would say that i can't believe i didn't mention right off the bat but really the cornerstone of any kind of pelvic floor therapy and really for me i found in my primary care practice and in this pelvic floor work is engaging your diaphragm when you breathe Mm, and being able to be still those two things. Those are probably harder to do than any pelvic floor exercise. I'm going to give somebody. I I recently, I can't remember who it was. I heard talking about the breath and the diaphragm and how, and it's interesting because actually it goes with <laughs> the strong abs, but somewhere totally. along the line, I think we learned that we needed to have a flat stomach for some reason. Mm. And so when you actually expand your diaphragm, like you can't have that. Right. <laughs> like I have a patient who won't, she won't expand. do it. I have a patient who will not use her diaphragm, like won't because she, as a child, you know, she's a woman in her sixties now was shamed. Yeah by her whole family and her friends. I just thought, oh my God, that's... And the other thing is, it's, you know, just if you can, your diaphragm and your pelvic floor, they go in concert, they work together. Hmm. So even if, so even if you don't take anything away, right, from, or you take one thing, um, when you're engaging your diaphragm, your pelvic floor is getting some beautiful mobility. So like, why not? You don't even have to be thinking about your pelvic floor <laughs> and you're still getting, you know, and also just focusing on your diaphragm, it quiets down your mind. And so much of this is, it's really scary to be still for people. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. And that's, I think, what we need probably more than anything else. Yeah, uh, so true. I've, um, and I'm going to let you off in a second, but a little story is that I have been practicing just a seated practice in the morning. Mm, beautiful. Um, quiet. But mm-hmm. one of the things I've been playing with and experimenting with is, you know, I use, like, there was a time when I would sit and I would like feel, like I just wanted to feel my body, like that was my goal. And so, you know, if I had a crick or whatever, I'd like, you know, I don't know, move my body to like just feel into it or make it go away. And recently it's been like, how still can you sit and just like let breath make it go away? And it's so amazing. Wow, so amazing. that's beautiful. A breath can do. It's hard. You know, I will it's not so lie. Hard. Yeah. I, I'm very lucky to have four women who I text, we all text every morning after we've done this practice. Cause if you don't, you know, without the accountability, it's, you know, it's a hard right. practice. That's beautiful. So that. I'd love to see a blog or something about that. Ah, all right. Well, actually okay. I'm, I'm in a, what I do in general is I, um, I batch these interviews. And so actually shortly after this interview, I'm interviewing the woman who I'm doing this practice with. So we will we'll talk about that. That's a good dovetail into it. So Kathy, tell people, I mean, I know you have a, an in-person business and someday we're going to have to get you to teach all this online at which point tell everyone listening. But for anyone who lives in the Boston or New England area, how does one find you? So you can find me at pelvichealthsupport.com. Okay, great. And there's an email there too, right? Or uh, where to find there's you? There's an email. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Yep. And do you, are you right? You're writing articles and stuff that could help people from their home. Or no, um, no, that's just how to find you. That's just how to find me. Okay, and I've awesome. got, um, there's a, you know, I have a huge resource page. Um, and is the know, pelvic case- 
floor, is it a big enough thing that if in different cities, people should be able to find somebody? Oh, absolutely. And um, I can totally connect people. There's actually a good resources. There's a, it's called pelvic guru. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a very helpful resource for finding people. Okay. Um, There's also the International Pelvic Pain Society is another resource for finding people. And then I would highly recommend um, John Barnes, Myofascial Release. They have a, they have a find a therapist directory. Um, I did my training through him. And so then you'll get the myofascial piece, which I think is really important. And I don't know, I don't believe it specifies on the directory if they do the internal exams and internal work, but that would also be a good place to start. And again, like I'm happy, any questions that people have more than happy to try to connect you with the right person or the right resources. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been been fun talking pelvic floor. Who knew? Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I want to create a movement, hashtag pelvic floor awareness. So I really, that's my goal. Let's do it. All Let's right. Do it. I'll, when okay. I share this, I'll put that in the okay. Instagram thing. What is your Instagram? Fantastic. Are you on Instagram? Oh, I am. Um, okay. Barely, but yeah. Uh, pelvic floor NP. Okay. So we'll all start hashtagging that when we're thinking okay. about our pelvic floor, which apparently is more often than yes. we are. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. It's on my list. Great. All right. Thank you, Kathy, so much. Okay. Thank you, Mia. Take care. At the end of every episode, I always share three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where real change happens. Now, if you're not working on your pelvic floor and these changes aren't for you, although there's one that should resonate with everybody, then go on over to plansimple.com and we have a number of different downloadables that offer you up some different choices of doable changes that you can choose from each week. Now, I offer up a lot of doable changes, three per episode. I have documents that have a hundred of them to choose from, but here's the deal. You got to pick one, one doable change every week. The one that's really calling to you this week. And you just commit to that one thing. You schedule for it. And you make boundaries based on it. You do different things. You experiment. So this one thing really becomes part of your life. Now, I promise if you do this every week for a whole year, you will have at least 45 new things that are just part of your day. And I say not 52 because The other part behind doing an experiment is some experiments, eh, they're not for you and that's fine too. But mostly you're putting these things in and you are making them a part of your life. And by doing that one at a time, it's really, really powerful. And believe me, I have tried to take on too much all at once. And what I find is that I go, go, go. It all seems great, but then a kid gets sick, a holiday happens, I don't know. I have a work deadline. I don't sleep one night and all of a sudden it all fizzles away. And this does not happen with one thing at a time because you are creating that one thing around these other things that are happening. All right, let's get into today's three doable changes. Number one, moisturize and lube up. I love that one. Get into a moisturizing routine for your vulva, labia, and vagina. Pair that with plenty of lube for sex. Kathy makes some recommendations on her website, so I've put a link to you to that post. That's a good one, and I would not know how to tell you to do that, so listen to Kathy. Number two, adjust your screens. This is the one I love, and I actually am always telling everybody in my life this one when I see them in the wrong position. Because Kathy says that alignment of the spine makes a big difference. And one thing we can do to help toward that end is keeping screens at eye level. So try making some adjustments and see how it feels. So often we're hunched over looking at these screens and so are our kids. And if they're starting now and we didn't even start then, imagine what it's going to look like 
you know, 20 years out. So really, really, really model that. How do you hold your screen at eye level? It's a little bit awkward, but it makes such a difference in our posture. Okay, number three, make an appointment with a pelvic floor specialist. We talked about many specific times on this episode that you may most need a pelvic floor specialist. So pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, postpartum, pre-menopause or menopause, but it really pays to be proactive because this is, we need to pay attention to every area of our body. And this might be one that we are ignoring just a little bit, or just not talking about or getting checked out or whatever it is. So get an exam and talk about any issues. Feel no shame. You are having You're just going in to see what you can do to improve your pelvic floor health. And as Kathy so eloquently explained, this is more to do with just those Kegels that we're all taught to do when we're pregnant. In fact, make sure that you listen to that part of the episode because she says that those Kegels are actually kind of dangerous to do if we haven't had this kind of appointment or don't understand our muscles down there. Um, as many of us don't. All right. I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple podcast. Bye for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.